But now it's time for the rural news with Monique Steele. Kia ora, Monique. The New Zealand wood industry is closely watching the conflict in the Red Sea. Kia ora, Charlotte. Yes, that's because global shipping costs are rising as a result of the disrupted supply chain. The United States is advancing on the area after a string of attacks on commercial cargo ships by Iran-backed Yemen Houthi militants in recent months. As a result, hundreds of cargo vessels are diverting away from the Suez Canal, the popular trade route to Europe, going the long way around Africa, which can add up to 18 days to the voyage. Forestry consultant Alan Laurie says higher freight costs and lower availability of vessels as a result of the conflict are flowing down the chain to forest owners. Well, of course, that takes out quite a chunk of the the international fleet, so it immediately becomes quite depleted because uh, the availability of vessels is just diminished. And a handy class or the handy max classes that we, uh, vessels that uh, typically pick up New Zealand logs, uh, tend to get entwined in that. Of course, the focus has been on container vessels and the Suez Canal, but handies are in that mix of availability and uh, longer time voyages. So we saw a pretty immediate impact. In fact, within three days, shipping companies were wanting a, a $3 lift. Forest Owners Association Chief Executive Elizabeth Haig says while it's important the impact on log imports have been marginal to date, that's exports, as most logs are sent to Asia, not Europe, it's still early days in understanding the impact. Some New Zealand log exporters have uh, been reporting a $2 increase in shipping costs per cubic metre so far, and that is probably going to also have an impact on forest owners having diminished wharfgate returns and increased port costs. But, I mean, we'll see kind of where that goes in the next wee while. Definitely there'll be impacts for some of our brothers and sisters in wood processing. Elizabeth Haig says the whole industry is hopeful tensions in the Red Sea will ease and shopping li- shipping lines will return to using the Suez Canal as soon as possible. New Zealand Rural Land Company has sold 25% of its asset portfolio to Australian company Rock Partners for $44 million. The company owns nearly 14,500 hectares of rural land across the country, which is tenanted with long-term leases. Rural Land Company co-founder and director Richard Milsom says selling a quarter of the company's portfolio unlocks capital and it gives more options to grow moving forward. He says there will be good interest there was good interest from other investing firms, but selling to rock partners made sense. Well, New Zealand's got a, a, a reputation and quite quite reasonably so having some of the best, if not the best rural land in the world. It's it's some of the most productive um, arable farmland in the world. It's got a very low carbon footprint for its production, it's got a very low cost to operate and it's grass based. And so rock being able to you know, they've had a desire to have some exposure to that for their investors for some time, and this is a way to, to do it with an experienced on-the-ground operator in New Zealand. Richard Milsom says Rock Partners also brings vast knowledge with more than 25 years' experience in private asset investment.
Dairy farmers who had lower pregnancy rates in their herds due to bad batches of semen from the Livestock Improvement Company should find out what caused the problem soon. In October, several batches of sire semen resulted in much lower pregnancy rates than normal. The co-op paid out $2 million to affected farmers as compensation. Chief Executive David Chin says a thorough investigation has been carried out looking at all operational processes and possible improvements and an independent review was also carried out to look at their response. He says the outcome of the investigation and review are being finalised and will be presented to the board and farmer shareholders next month. One of the country's last remaining wool skin tanneries is experiencing a resurgence in demand for sheepskin. After years of muted interest in sheepskin products, Classic Sheepskins in Napier says consumers are becoming more environmentally aware. General Manager Kieran Callahan says the tannery aims to process 60,000 skins annually, but the plan is to upscale to 100,000 by next year. I think we are in a phase where people are starting to come back to natural products, but things like vegan leather is plastic. Homewares are the company's largest area of growth, but baby products are popular too, with sheepskin rugs for playtime, cot underlays and tiny booties selling well. But he says some markets haven't caught on to the potential of the sheepskin product yet. Some people just don't get it, some countries don't get it at all. some countries only get it in certain uses. Like we're pushing into the States a little bit at the moment, and that's really around the um, furniture market. Karen Callahan says the split between classic sheepskins overseas market and products sold domestically is about 50-50, but some of the products sold here is to tourists who ultimately take their volumes offshore. And to catch up on some of the latest rural news headlines from over the holiday period, in People Moves, Deer Industry New Zealand Chief Executive Innes Moffat has resigned after 18 years working with the industry body. He will step down in early March following four years at the helm to focus on new career opportunities. Fonterra Chairman Peter McBride has been named the new chair of Australia's largest fresh fruit, vegetable and cut flowers trader, Sydney Markets. And state-owned farming enterprise Pamu, formerly Landcorp Farming, has paid tribute to its chairman, Dr Warren Parker, who died suddenly in the week after Christmas. And that's the rural news for today. Koyara te porongo o te taifenua.